first point guard and trailblazers reporter mike richmond you are listening to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts and also on youtube thanks for making locked on blazers your first listen every day free on all platforms five days a week coming at you every single weekday today's episode a whole bunch of fun i am joined by Andy Patton, the host of the Locked on Zags podcast. Follow him at ScoreZags, score and at Locked on Zags on Twitter. Andy, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's crazy month. It's March, but I appreciate you having me on the show. I've been been listening to Locked on Blazers for a long time, so it's exciting to get a chance to talk to you and uh, talk about some of these Zags. Yeah, okay. let's let's like take listeners inside this a little bit. Maybe like yeah. three months ago, you were like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working at Locked on Zags. I'm doing the show. Like, I'm super excited. Mm-hmm. I've been covering Gonzaga forever. Um, mm-hmm. If you ever want me on the show to talk about stuff, like, let's make it happen. And I said, oh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, man. Like... The Blazers, they're just not going to be that bad. And the and the Gonzaga mm-hmm. only turns out studs. Like, it's just, we're, they're not going to align. Like, we're not going to have mm-hmm. a top draft pick and all this. And then on Monday, I said, hey, Andy, uh, <laughs> can, can you come on the show? Because the Blazers are bad and they're intentionally mm-hmm. bad. So this was a long time in the making. Um, mm-hmm. Eagle-eared listeners will remember Andy from uh, being a mailbag question asker back in the day. So a true listener of the program, very few guests who come on the show actually listen. So so we're really happy to have you. <laughs> no, I'm excited. This, uh, Like I said, this will be fun. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not thrilled that the Blazers season has gone the way that it is because how can you be if you're a Blazers fan but I am excited at the possibility of them potentially adding Chet Holmgren or at the very least adding a a pretty high caliber player because there's a lot of really good players at the top of this draft right there's we're going to talk about Chet Holmgren mostly today that's what Mm -hmm. I want to talk about because I think he's the most polarizing fascinating interesting Mm -hmm. prospect in the draft and one of the most polarizing interesting prospects in the draft in quite some time Mm -hmm. um but like we're here because the Blazers are going to have a high draft pick. Uh, they're play- This is Wednesday, March 23rd show. The Blazers this evening play Gonzaga product uh, Zach Collins and his return to the Moda Center. So we'll talk more Zags uh, to- on tomorrow's show. But, uh, you know, Portland is they're going to put themselves in the mix for one of the first seven picks in the draft. If they get that pick, why would Chet Holmgren be the choice? Well, I think rim protection is really the key element of what Chet Holmgren does. He does a lot of things really, really well. Uh, It's not just that, but his ability to alter shots, block shots, prevent players from even wanting to get into the lane, I I think is, is staggering. And, what, what there's a lot of things that make him polarizing. Obviously, the number one thing is the size, uh, which I'm sure we will talk about uh, the skinny legs. But one uh, one element of it, too, is a lot of what he does does not show up on the box score. And so he's a he's a prospect that takes a lot of watching to really kind of grasp the impact that he has. Uh, I remember so distinctly the second game of the season for the Zags was against Texas, uh, and it was a big game, his the, his first big game of his career. And he had two points and five rebounds. (laughs) And that was really startling to a lot of people. Now, the Zags won by 20 and Drew Timmy scored 37 points. So part of what that story was, was simply Chet Holmgren is willing to be a little bit deferential in terms of what gets the team a victory. But the other story to that game in particular was that Texas took 54% of their shots at the rim when he was on the bench and they took 15, 15% of their shots at the rim when he was in the game. This was a team that at the time didn't really have an identity, but has now up until this, their season ended, their identity was getting to the rim and trying to get, you know, score that way. They could not do it in that game because of him. Doesn't show up in the box score, but it's a huge facet of what he does. 
do you think he is a rim protect? Like, there's some there's some questions, and we'll talk about the weaknesses here. I want to I want to start with strength. I want to start with positivity. Okay, we're leading with positivity, right. Andy. Do you think he can be uh, that level of rim protector at the next level? Like, what makes you think that 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 translates? Yeah, he he's gonna be a bit of a project. I think there is an he's very young. He is very skinny. Like that, this is not wrong that he's very thin. Uh, it has not impacted his ability to be successful as a rim protector in the collegiate level. Obviously, the, the strength of big men in the NBA is, is better. We saw him go up against an NBA caliber big man in Jalen Duran for Memphis. Uh, Duran had three made field goals. Chet Holmgren had four blocks. So it did not seem to impact him and his ability to stop him in that game. But Chet was also less impactful offensively. Right. And I think that that is probably because he was exerting more energy on defense. I do think that he's going to struggle against certain big men in the NBA. But again, people say like, well, how is he going to guard Giannis? And it's like, well, who has successfully guarded Giannis? The man is a two-time MVP. It all, that always comes up, right? It's like, well, can, it's, can he guard Kevin Durant? So, well, nobody can guard Kevin Durant. No. It's like, that's the thing. It's like if yeah. if if there was a 19-year-old who was the mm-hmm. one of the top 10 players in the NBA, they would already right, be yeah. here somehow. So exactly. yeah, the instincts, I feel like I've... Full disclosure, I've I've said this on the pod all the time. I don't really watch college basketball. Mm-hmm. I've seen Chad Holmgren play three games. I watched him lose to Duke, mm-hmm. lose to Alabama, mm-hmm. and now I, I watched that Memphis game, uh, which was mm-hmm. really really a very high level game, great basketball game. Um, so I don't you know I've I've seen him, I've read a ton about him. I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by him, but I haven't watched him so 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 much. So some smart people tell me he's he's they're worried. Some smart people tell me, oh, he's, this is the guy. Don't worry about it. I think Mm -hmm. the intriguing thing, and I want to say here on the strengths is the, is he shoots off the dribble. Like he just, his, Mm -hmm. the shooting and the passing off the dribble. What about his offensive game sort of excites you? Yeah. I think it's interesting again, because he, when he was trying to find his place in Gonzaga's offense, he wasn't doing a lot of that early in the year. And so, especially in some of Gonzaga's bigger games, that wasn't a a big element of his game. He was a menace in transition threes, which I think is going to be something he does so, so well. Uh, Brian Kalbrowski posted about this on Twitter recently, uh, uh, something that showed that he's the best at making transition threes per 40 minutes in the country, like period. Like that is his huge strength. Uh, but he, we didn't see a lot of the off the dribble stuff. He was kind of more of a facilitator on offense, getting the ball to Drew Timmy, uh, kind of taking those transition threes. But once he started to really develop that, a little bit of that Dirk Nowitzki fadeaway to his game, which he had in high school, we started to see that a little bit more. Now we've started to see him tr- attempt more straight line drives to the basket, started doing the spin move that I'm sure he, he learned from Drew Timmy, who's very good at that. Uh, and his finishing around the rim is just so he's got such soft touch. He can finish with his left hand or his right hand. Uh, and now once we've started to see that mid range start show up, you can start to see an offensive profile that that is more than just a big man who can block shots and also shoot the you know standing standing still threes. He can do more than that on offense. And we really started to see that over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. The, I mean, it's like some people have said, like, I, I don't get it. He just looks like a big dude who can dribble and shoot like. Ding, mm-hmm. that's it. Ding, 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 ding. There it is. Ding, ding, ding. That's it. He's a big man who can dribble and shoot. Like if you're looking mm-hmm. for like, why do scouts love him is because how many seven one dudes are throwing, how many seven one mm-hmm. dudes are shooting like a comfortable trail three in transition. And then the next time mm-hmm. when you close out on trail three in transition are going cross between the legs to their weak hand, pump fake, mm-hmm. pull up, swing it to the weak side. Like it's, he's got some skills and some stuff to his game. Mm-hmm. Again, I've seen about an hour of him play basketball. <laughs> so that's why we got Andy on here. Cause Andy's seen many, many, many hours. Uh, let's come back. We're going to have to, we're going to have to 
flip the coin. We're going to talk about skinny hips and skinny legs in the second segment because Chet Holmgren is indeed a skinny person. We're going to talk about the concerns about that in the second segment. But before I do that, I want to tell my listeners about prize picks. It is the daily fantasy option for the NBA fans, and it's daily fantasy made easy. I've played prize picks a bunch. I love it, and I bet you will too. Here's what you do. You pick between two and five players, and you're picking an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times. It's just you versus those projected numbers. And prize picks is offering props on points scored, on rebounds, on steals, on blocks, on total fantasy points. And again, it's just you picking an over-under on the line they set. Uh, those projected numbers, not you versus the field, not you versus experts, just you versus prize picks. Entries can made, be made up in 60 seconds, and you can get your money fast with quick and safe withdrawals. It's super simple. Get Pick pick Josh Hart when he's back in the lineup, if he ever gets back. Pick the over on his points. You know he's going to score and win some money. And for a limited time, prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer. Uh, it's all all of my listeners will get 50, 50 free dollars if the player on your first prize picks entry scores a single point. When you use the promo code NBA, that's right. An exclusive offer available to locked on listeners. Sign up today. Use the promo code NBA and get $50 for free. If a player on your first prize pick entry scores a single point, that's prize picks daily fantasy made easy. All right. We're still chatting here with Andy Patton, the host of locked on Zags, part of the locked on podcast network. Follow him at ScoreZags score on Twitter. Locked on Zags. Chet Holmgren's going to be pretty good. Like, I have I have a feeling he's going to be a pretty good player. But there are some concerns, Mr. Patton. There are some concerns. Um, I've seen him. He weighs 185 pounds. How big of a deal is that? Yeah, it's hard to... It's hard to not say it's a big deal. I, I know a lot of Gonzaga fans really want to push back on that and say, oh, it hasn't hurt him, hasn't hurt him. And there's an element of that that is true. And he he also hasn't faced that many NBA caliber big men. And people like to point immediately to the WCC. And sure, that is a that is a factor. There's also just not a lot of NBA caliber big men in college basketball. There's just That's how it works. Many of them. Right. It's how it works. <laughs> Most of them don't make it. Uh, so you look at some of the games where he has played those guys. We mentioned Duran. He played very well in that game. He also fouled out. Right. And that was one of the very few games this year that he has fouled out. It took him a while to foul out. And the fouls were a, a big part of that story because Memphis was in significant foul trouble as well. So it was part of how the game was officiated. But still, if he's going to have foul trouble, that's obviously, you know, we talked about Zach Collins already. There have been some comparisons to Zach Collins and some of them are valid. Some of them, I think, are lazy we'll put it that way he's a, but, skin, he's a white guy who plays against Zaga. i mean it is what it, yeah, exactly. it is it is what it is it's why people compare drew timmy yeah. to larry bird it, get the fuck yeah, out of here exactly <laughs> it's like exactly. yeah yeah it's a, it's a super invalid comparison but zach collins was a shot blocking big man who could hit some threes so right there's, there's some legitimacy oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to it for sure but with chet i think we've seen him go up against some of the best of the best he's played well he has not played as well as he's played in you know obviously in the WCC games where he's going up against guys who are not going to be professional basketball players uh, or certainly not NBA caliber players I do think like I said he's going to need to get bigger he's going to need to get stronger he's going to need to learn how to still play with a body that's going to change and develop as he gets older you know we talked about how is he going to guard Giannis and how that's kind of an invalid argument but they're like how would he guard Yusuf Nurkic? Right. How example? would he guard DeAndre Ayton? I think it's like yeah, sim exactly. simple stuff like that. Can he guard other right. kind of like the top 15-ish centers one-on-one? -on -one? And I think the answer today is no. Right. 
I think he'd be okay. He wouldn't be the worst center in the NBA, certainly, but he would not be an elite level rim protector in the NBA right now. And that's tough to draft a guy that high whose primary skill he's not going to be elite at immediately. But I have, it's hard for me to imagine he doesn't get there. It's just, you have to wait for it, potentially. He's 19. Most 19-year-olds you got to wait on. Yeah. So when you get to the top of the draft, people, they nitpick, like that's the nature of this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So- you look at Paolo Bencaro from Duke, uh, and you know he's he's six ten. He could pass. He's got a handle, and everyone's like, "But can he shoot?" It's like, mm-hmm. okay, yes, he, that's his weakness. Um, you know, right. it's like you look at uh, Jabari Smith. It's like, well, he's he's so skinny, and all he all he does is shoot. Can he bang down low and blah blah? blah. It's like mm-hmm. he's six ten, and he's he shoots forty percent from three. These are sure. these are great skills, and I feel the way I feel kind of feel that way with Chet, where it's like, okay, well, he's a really great instinctual defender with great timing. Okay, he can mm-hmm. pass. Okay, he could really shoot it, but is he big enough? It's like, no, no, he's not big enough. But that's the whole freaking point is that the thing you're banking on with him is that his frame fills out. And I think Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that people have a problem with Chet is that we don't have a prior on Chet. We don't have say, okay, this is what he becomes. They see a Mm -hmm. skinny, quite frankly, they see a skinny white guy from a small college and they say, or a smaller program, smaller conference. It's a powerhouse mm-hmm. i don't know what to, i don't know why yeah. i'm disrespecting gonzaga um okay. it's like uh you see you see a guy who played in the west coast conference and you say oh i don't know will it work will mm-hmm. it work have we seen a skinny white guy transfer to the pros no but we never saw a fat serbian win mvp like we don't we didn't right. we never saw we never saw a kid from the greek second mm-hmm. league turn into the most dominant player in the nba mm-hmm. like um mm-hmm. There, there isn't always a prototype for this stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the, I think the chat frame things are real. Like as you pointed out, yes, that's real. Could he guard mm-hmm. Yusuf Nurkic? No, he would. Nurk mm-hmm. would shove that fool in a locker. But yeah. like, he, I'm willing to bank on some of the skills. My question, and I wonder if you agree with this. I'm more worried about the physicality for him on offense than I am on defense. I thought in against Memphis, where he struggled, wasn't defending. I thought he was fine on defense. Mm-hmm. I thought it was he couldn't get into much of his offensive stuff against athleticism and length and size. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think he, he's in a shooting slump right now, uh, which is is not necessarily entirely related to that. I believe he's won for his last 15 from three, which has been hurting Gonzaga significantly because his ability to stretch the floor, pull defenders away from Drew Timmy, obviously all of that has not been there. Uh, I don't know that he's missing threes because he's working harder on defense necessarily. Right, right, right. <laughs> I do think his ability to get to get his offense down low has been hampered. He has not been, and he hasn't been a huge back to the basket scorer in this team, regardless, just because of the presence of Drew Timmy. They don't utilize him that well, but he hasn't been doing as many straight line drives to the basket. He hasn't been, you know, crossing guys up and pump faking and kind of drawing contact. He has, he didn't do as much of that against Memphis. I think it was some fatigue. And I think it was a little bit of like, not getting to take advantage of inferior players. He went up against really good caliber big men at Memphis. When he gets into the NBA and he plays against better players than that, or at least every night he's playing against guys that good, uh, he's going to not be as big of an impactful offensive player in that way. I right. still think he's going to have a successful offensive career. I don't think his his entire profile has never been predicated on him being like a 20-point-per-game guy. He's, he's not going to be that. Uh, even his absolute ceiling is maybe that, but most likely that's not really his game. He's an impactful defensive player. He's a transition three-point shooter. He's a useful offensive player outside of that. I, I do think that that is something that can be used as a knock on him, certainly for Portland if you're looking for somebody who's going to come in and immediately add a bunch of points to your total. He's not necessarily that guy. Uh it kind of depends on how he gets utilized in pick and rolls. Uh, Gonzaga utilizes him well in that regard, but again, he's 
a very, his best offensive skill is I think that transition three point shooting, uh, and the actual offensive bag outside of that still needs some work. Yeah, it's it. I, I agree. Like the shooting and the and the and the ability to put the ball on the floor when you close out on the shot is just it's that's the intriguing part. Uh, yes. I, you know, I mentioned his offense. Like I'm I'm I think defensive instincts. Like if you have it you can kind of, it translates. I think there was some physicality stuff that'll, that'll, that'll catch up with him. Most rookies are not good in the league. Most rookies are not strong enough to play in the league. All of those things. I think the, all those things check out with Chet. I, I would were my concern would be that like, if his offense gets limited because of athletes and strength early in his career, that you can't leave him on the floor for defense because the trade off, all those things. That's, I get, think that's my concern. Um, I will say this too. And I, this was, uh, something Raphael Barlow pointed out is that when, uh, this is Raphael Barlow, a host of Locked and NBA Draft, of a previous guest on the show. And uh, Raphael said, like, when Anthony Davis came to the league, he was 225. Chet's like 185 now. And the way the pre-draft process works is basically once the college season ends, you don't really get to work out that much. Like, you, you show up at Summer League and it's like, Doug, I have just been running around doing promotional things. So yeah. I, I don't think like between now and July when he shows up at an NBA camp uh, to begin summer league that he's going to be like 210. But I do think by August, he could be 200 pounds. Like I, I think that's, and, and then you start to get there. I, I, I think the whole thing with Chet is, is a level of saying he's got a lot of stuff. Can we buy into the stuff? And that's what I want to ask you about in the uh, third segment to close the show is like, the stuff. Does he fit with the Trailblazers? Is this, if the Blazers end up with the second or third pick, first, first one of the three first three picks in the draft, is this the guy they should go get? That's what we'll do to close out the show. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. I've been telling you about Built Bars for forever, many, many years, uh, closing in on three. They're great. Like they sent me a box of Built Bars. This is what good advertisers do. They send you product, you try them, so then you can talk about them earnestly. I tried Bilt Bar and I started spending my own money on them. I said, these are great. I'm going to I'm going to pay to have these in my home. My personal favorites that I always stay stocked with are peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream, but you'll find a Bilt Bar that suits your palate, like salted caramel, mint, brownie, raspberry, coconut, almond, whatever it is. And the average Bilt Bar's got 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, just four grams of sugar and four net carbs. All tasty, all healthy. Go get yourself some. Go to built.com. Go to and use that promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your next order. That is built.com. The promo code is LOCK15. And you'll get 15% off your next order. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked On Blazers. Still chatting with Andy Pat, host of Locked On Zags. We're talking all things Chet. I sent Andy an email this week and I said the, t- the title of the email was Chet Chat because we needed to talk about Chet Holmgren. We've talked kind of strengths and weaknesses. I think there's some real concerns about his frame. Um, I think they're a little overblown, but like it's real. It is real. And part of it being real is like, is Chet is, might not be a day one contributor. The Portland Trailblazers, we're looking in the future. They've won the, the draft lottery is in, I believe, uh, 25 days I saw something like that 38 days I got I got the numbers wrong now I'm screwing up I literally just saw it this morning the play we're 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 close to the draft lottery in in any case less than two months and uh it's the Blazers now they've got a top three pick the other guys are off the board they select Chet Holmgren what is this a good fit and what can they expect from him year one if he were to play on this team let's assume Yusuf Nurkic is also on the roster yeah, that was going to be the first thing I brought up is like whether whether Nurk was going to be around. Uh, I think 
it'll be interesting to see whether teams try to utilize Chet in like alongside another big man. Obviously, that is what he is familiar with at Gonzaga, and he has played that role very well. Uh, Chet is generally considered the five on Gonzaga's lineup with Drew Timmy playing the four. Positions are weird. Uh, I don't know how much it really matters. Right. Uh, obviously, Chet is the taller player. Uh, he is the rim protector in that lineup. Um, in in a lineup with Yusuf Nurkic, he would still be asked to be the rim protector. Um, and I think Nurk would play more, more away from the basket, but I'm not exactly sure. It would be an interesting fit. I think it could work. Certainly, Nurk has played big minutes with other big players before, uh, but it is an interesting I think you'd probably stagger them for a lot of chunks of time as well. Uh, again, I think with Chet, he's not going to play. You, you're not going to ask him to play 35 minutes a game or 30 minutes a game as a, a rookie. You're going to be putting a lot of weight on him. You're going to be you know, changing him a lot. He's going to be playing a much more physical brand of basketball. People worried about the transition from high school to college. It didn't seem to impact him. We'll see how much it impacts him in the NBA. This is a bigger step without a doubt. Um, but I, I do think that there's there's a lot of ways that it would fit really well. He's not a playmaker. And I think that that's something that Portland might be looking for. Right. Uh, you can certainly attest to this more, uh, but like a big man who can, who can create his own shot can be a playmaker, a secondary ball handler that Dame can get rid of the basketball to. Jed is not that. There are people in this draft who are that. Yeah. So that is something that would be a consideration depending on how Portland expects the rest of their roster to shake out. Uh, but he has some obviously incredible impacts defensively. And that's something that this team for years now has really struggled with. Yeah. Do you think he's a, like, I think he's probably a four year one, mm -hmm. a, a reminder, a small caveat. Kevin Durant played shooting guard his rookie year. This, <laughs> this stuff doesn't, the, what you do yeah. in year one is not indicative of what you'll do forever. But I, I think he's probably a four just because I don't think he can guard fives. But I mean, like everyone's going to be big. Like it's, yeah. he's going to meet physicality. You think he's a four probably starting out? Yeah, I think so. And I think one thing that we didn't even really touch on that much is he, he's not a bad defensive player away from the rim. Right. Either. Oh, he, yeah, he, yeah. Thanks. That's his strength uh, is there. But like if he's asked to guard a four away from the rim, like, you know, he's not the quickest lateral moving player, but he's long enough that he can generally keep those guys in front of him, you know, outside of the elite ones. Uh, so if he's asked to do that and play away from the rim, he's capable of doing that. Again, he probably won't be elite at it in year one, but he's He's better at better at that than I think a lot of people would give him credit for. Yeah, I I wonder, uh, and we saw this. You know, the this is like I I hate like NBA comps because it's like, what if he's like this guy who's like extremely good, which is unfair to Chet. It's unfair to who I'm about to mention. But uh, when the Blazers played the Boston Celtics, Robert Williams, who's like a a low key defensive player of the year candidate, like he won't get any votes, but he's freaking great on the best defense mm -hmm. of the league. Um, they don't put him on the ball. They don't put him on Nurk. They let him be a spacer. So, like, when the Blazers played the Celtics, Grant Williams, uh, Tennessee legend, guards guards uh, Nurk. And so Robert Williams is just, just kind of a roamer. You know, he's off the ball, and he's able to be a helper. I kind of see that as a reasonable role for Chet, where you don't put him on the post-up threat or the best, whoever the best offensive big man is, you don't put him on that. You put him on the lesser of the two, whoever the bigs you're playing against, and let him kind of roam. And that way he can be a helper. He can be a all those things. Do you think that's, do you think he could thrive there? Yeah, he's really good at that. You watch some video, some slowed down tape of him re recovering in particular, a guy gets around him, his ability to recover and get over there. And when he has uh, gotten caught in, in pick and rolls and had to recover that way, he's, he's quick. He's long. He's so long, seven foot six wingspan. It's, it looks bigger than that. If you watch him in person, he can recover so quickly. And he's, 
He's been very good the, up to this point at not committing fouls when he's coming over. Again, you know, we, we'll go back to the Zach Collins comp. Zach Collins has been bad about that his entire career. Right. This is something that Chet Holmgren has always been good about. The, the fouling out of Memphis was an anomaly. That's not normal for him. So if he were in a role where he was kind of playing more help defense, his ability to get over quickly, use his length to, to alter shots significantly and not commit a lot of fouls, I think he's going to be pretty good at that right away. Again, you know, man up one, one-to-one back down defense against a Nurkic or an Aiton or guys like that. Yeah. He's probably going to struggle. He, he's going to get his, a few blocks in there, but those guys are going to score a lot and he's going to commit a lot of fouls. But if you ask him to play help defense, I think he's going to be good at that right away. And I could see, depending on the coaching staff and what they kind of envision with him, uh, if you were in this Portland lineup, I could see him doing something like that. They've obviously had great help defenders in the past. Robert Covington's one of the best in the nation uh, at being at being a help side defender. So uh, they could utilize him in a role like that and, and and get some success out of him right away. Yeah, I mean, they're not dissimilar. They're not very similar players, but I, totally like the idea of just like our best defender is away from the ball. Like our best defender away from the action. I think is. Um, um, yeah, I think there's some, I think there's some, you can get some, you can get something out of that. That's the strategy you can get something out of. Okay. Andy, you are, you're in Joe Cronin's war room. The Blazers have the first pick in the draft. Are you doing it? Chats on the board. Are you doing it? I, I would really like to know if, if Nurk was coming back and kind of uh, some of the, he, kind of, he is, I mean, he is yeah. the, the, yeah. I would put it at 90. Five percent. Yeah, he's co- he's coming back. So what Nurk's coming back. Joe has leaned yeah. over to you. He said, he said, Andy, who are we taking? What are we doing? I think I think Chet is an absolutely 100% defensible pick. I do think, again, for Portland, that secondary ball handler, a bit of a creator. Uh, we've seen Bancaro's stock drop a little bit, but I think he's a really nice fit. He's obviously, really, he's really good. He's really good. He is that creator. He, he can he can get to the rim. He can cross people up. He can shoot off the dribble really well. He's, his pull-up game is, is very strong. His outside shooting, you know, it's not great, but it's I think it's developing. Um, he 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 strikes me as somebody that could the Blazers could really use sure. uh, offensively. Uh, you know, he does not he's certainly not giving you as much as Chet defensively. Um, so I I like Van Carroll a lot. I think he's he makes a lot of sense for Portland. I, I think there are other teams that probably would would benefit more from going Chet or even Jabari Smith earlier. Certainly some teams who might even go with Jaden Ivey if they need a playmaking guard uh, because he's really, really, yeah, really I, good. I like him a lot too. Yeah. He's super good. Um, Portland, if they went with a undersized guard um, in the first <laughs> round, I think people would riot um, because they've done plenty of that already. Um, I think, I don't know that you can go necessarily wrong with any of those top three guys. Um, I think for the Blazers, it's probably Paulo, Chet Jabari would be my guess in terms of preference there, uh, just based on what they kind of how they run their offense and what they have on their roster already. But again, I, I, I certainly would not be unhappy if they went with Chet as a Blazers fan. Uh, but also, I, I think that Van Carroll makes a lot of sense, too. Yeah. Well, listen, the guy from freaking Locked on Zags didn't even make the impassioned Chet has to go number one overall argument. So, you know, there's a debate out there. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think I like it just looking at what the Blazers have and what we assume they have that mm-hmm. Chet. Also, because I think Chet's going to, I think Chet is going to be real, like really good in the league. People who are smart think he's going to be good. Basically, here's how I judge it on. Like I said, I haven't watched him very much, but it's like mm-hmm. the people who are smart told me LaMelo Ball was going to be really good. And I was like, well, I haven't really seen him. I've just seen the highlights. LaMelo Ball's really good. You know, like at some point you just have to trust the draft people, people who do this professionally, people who do this professionally, who I trust, John Hollinger, Sam Vecini, Matt Penny. Um, like they, they, they're telling me that Chet is like, has a baseline of being good NBA player. 
To me, that seems like a pretty good deal. Uh, but I think it might be pretty good NBA player in year three. Pretty good, you know, star in year six or something like that. And the Blazers have a shorter timeline. I think Ben Caro gets you closer right away and specifically meets the need, as you talk about, with that playmaking, um, a little bit of shot creation, a little bit of more... Uh, more juice at the four spot, obviously less defense. Um, he's not, he's not a great defender and sometimes he just doesn't play that hard, but I think you can turn up the, I think you could turn up the dial a little bit easier than you can put on 35 pounds. Um, it's at least in the next couple months, that's easier yeah. to do. Uh, Andy, is there anything you want to plug before we get you out of here? I know. Yeah. Locked on Zags. Uh, you know, it's been an uh, absolute blast this year doing that. Uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, you follow me on Twitter at ScoreZagScore. Score. We're doing so much college basketball content talking about the Sweet 16. Obviously, Gonzaga has Arkansas on Thursday, so that is going to be a super exciting game. Uh, definitely follow me on Twitter at ScoreZagScore Score if you are interested in college basketball, interested in the Zags, or just want to troll me about Chet Holmgren. Whatever it is, let me know. Uh, and Mike, thank you so much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Oh, it was a real blast. I feel like I, I feel like I know more about Chet now, 30 minutes into this than I did when I started. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of you joining the show. Dear listeners, tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers and we'll be right there waiting for you. Tomorrow's show is going to be a recap of the Spurs game. We're going to do a mailbag on Friday. It's a fun week here at Locked on Blazers. So come on back. Make your first listen every day, five days a week, free on all platforms. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.